everybody, I am Claire. And I am Scarlett. Welcome to our podcast called Girl Sacks. Our show is created by us and our mom, Katie, the place where we can give you our two cents. You know the phrase that means giving our thoughts and opinions on what matters to us? When the girls asked to start this show, their dad and I thought it was the perfect way to reflect on growing up as a young girl and hear straight from them what's on their minds and what they're learning. All right, girls, let's dive in. All right, we're back, and this is a very special episode, and you'll hear why in just a minute. You heard us talking about some really deep concepts on the last episode, um, kind of in the era surrounding the Civil War. And so this week's research was a different topic, but similarly um, new learning for the girls. So, of course, there are lots of details of history that seven-year-olds aren't ready to fully understand. But we do know what the girls were reading and listening to about challenges today. And they're observing the world through their lens. So the podcast and these conversations that we've been recording and the conversations that we're not recording are helping them. (laughs) build background and make connections to the world. So before we reveal the big surprise, Scarlett, just tell everybody what we did yesterday. Um, We went to the History Museum in Indianapolis, and we went to this Evil Core event, and we learned that she was in the Holocaust. Yeah, you learned about Evil yes. Core. And what is the Holocaust? Um, They took just a concentration camp. So like... Um, Eva Kor was a Jewish person yes. that went to a concentration camp. Yeah. Yeah. And so Claire, what was, what did you, what are some things that stood out to you? Um, the beads, like that bead activity, like with the, like the beads, like each bead represented 100 people that died. Yeah. And you, since like not everybody listening will have been there, you have to tell them about like how many beads there were. There I like, don't really know how many. I did not count. Like lots and lots and lots yeah. of like beads. Like a hundred. Like way more than a hundred. Yeah. So it was way in the thousands. Way in the thousands. Yeah. Yeah. So that <laughs> stood out to you. And then you also, um, the message, the big like learning message that stood out to you, tell them about that. Um, it was forgiveness. Like, um, the forgiveness. So once um with one of the doctors, she um wrote a forgiveness letter, but she needed help spelling because her English she said wasn't really good. So she had this person to help her write a um forgiveness letter. And she said, um, now what I want you to do tonight is pretend there's um the doctor in your room and see how it would feel to you and making those letters made her feel happy so she wrote some but I wouldn't say a lot so but the story was like yes she forgave the other person but she also reminded how much better she felt yeah yeah um Okay, and then Scarlett, you wanted to tell them about another exhibit that you saw in the museum that was fun. Tell them about that. So in this exhibit, um, at the end of her life, people um, kept asking her a bunch of questions. So you could ask her a question herself, but she was basically on a screen. Yeah, 
But there's some real things there that I saw. They're like real. Like what? It looked like there was a real table. Oh, that in the like projector yeah. screen? Yeah. That I cool. think there was a real table behind that glass so that they wouldn't have to project it too. I don't know. I think it might have just been like a whole thing playing no, with grass. No, like a like I th- it, the like the, the dresser ta- thing. Like the yeah. table dresser. It looked like it was real. Mm-hmm. I yeah, well that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, and then you also wanted to what, what was the question that you asked her in the room? A funny question. Um, uh, so um, her son told us that we should ask her um, in the exhibit what was her favorite food. And she didn't really have a favorite food, but she did really like chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets. And we had heard already about the chicken nuggets. Um, so tell us about that. Because her son spoke. But she called Twitter, Tweeterland, <laughs> and she posted a bunch of things there. Yeah, but she posted about her chicken nuggets. Yes. <laughs> In a room one. with sunglasses on. Yeah. Yes, yes. All right, so now after, like, you've kind of told them some of the big reflections, but Claire, is it time to announce a big surprise now? Yes. Um, Her son is on our podcast call and he is Alex Kohler. <laughs> wow. Thank you very much. So let me ask you a question. Are you seven years old or 17 years old? Seven. You're, very, you're very mature, but go ahead. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can we ask you to introduce yourself? Okay. My name is Alex Kaur. I am uh, actually a foot doctor, a podiatrist, but um, I am the son of two Holocaust survivors. I grew up in Terre Haute, Indiana, which is about an hour, a little over an hour or so west of Indianapolis. <clears throat> Both my parents are survivors of the Holocaust. My father, Michael or Mickey Corps, was a survivor from Buchenwald concentration camp, and he was rescued by an American soldier, American GI from Terre Haute, Indiana. My mother uh, was, as you mentioned, uh, was one of the Mengele twins. There was a Nazi doctor that did experiments, <clears throat> medical experiments on twins. The twins were aged three to 15. My mom was approximately 10 years old. And essentially, one of the theories is they were trying to find fertility drugs that they could give German mothers. So my mom survived because she was one of the Mengele twins. And my mom and my aunt both survived. Uh, After the war, my aunt and my mom eventually made it to Israel. My aunt married an Israeli. My father, after being going to school in Indiana, went to visit his brother uh, in Israel. There was no internet dating, and they met on a blind date. So there's a little bio there for you. And then they had him. Yeah. And then... (laughs) Then my sister, yeah. So there's two of us, yes. All right. That's, and you guys connected to that story kind of a lot because um, the st- Evo has a twin and? We are twins. twins. <laughs> You're twins. Yes, indeed. Okay. All right, Scarlett, let's hear your question. Um, what are some things about your mother that listeners need to know? It's a very tough question, Scarlett. Uh, there's a lot of things that listeners should know about my mother. <clears throat> um, 
first of all, she lived until she was 85. Unfortunately, she passed away about three and a half years ago during one of our trips to Auschwitz. Um, my mother, one of the things I think we should talk about was that she was at Auschwitz, a little bit older than you, but she really, as she got older, had me and my sister started working, started then talking about the Holocaust, really identified with children. And it was a very unique relationship because my mom was no longer a child, but at times she played like she was a child. And a lot of people theorize that she had her childhood taken from her at the age of 10. And as a result, always wanted to have that childhood back. So when she met young children like you or a little older, um, she would really tell them about her experiences in their terms. And I think one of the best examples was one time um, a young boy about your age, maybe a little older, said, well, Mrs. Kaur, how did you learn? Who taught you how to survive during these experiments? Um, and so my mom was always very clever and very quick-minded. So she stood up and walked right in front of the young boy and got right in his face. And he backed away like most people would. And my mom said, why did you back away? Well, you got right in my face. I had no choice. My mom said, that's how I survived Auschwitz, meaning it was an instinct. Uh, it was something that she just, nobody told her. She just kind of tried to figure it out along the way. And she would use her common sense. And so common sense and a lot of luck, um, she was able to survive. So I think one of the things that my mom, if she were here on this Zoom podcast today, she would tell you to you know, use your common sense. And that's how she got through tough situations. She would also probably tell you she had a long list of life lessons. I gave you her card. But one of the things that she would tell young people is, you know, when you get up in the morning, think of one thing you can do every morning to make the world a better place. That doesn't necessarily mean to save the world or, you know, it could be as simple as cleaning your room or it could be when you go to school, somebody drops garbage on the floor, pick up the garbage and put it in the trash can. When someone you're walking through a door and maybe there's an elderly person, open the door for that person. So try to think of one thing that you can do every day to make the world a better place. And I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, we think that things have to be real complicated. One of the other things that I would want to mention is my mom also would tell kids your age that each one of you can make a big impact on the world. Um, she would use the analogy if there was a lake and one child threw a rock into the lake, there would be one ripple. If both you, Scarlett, and Claire threw two ripple, two pebbles in the in the lake, there would be two ripples. If a hundred of your classmates threw a pebble in the lake, at the same time there would be a wave. The point being that you can all make a difference and you don't need to do anything heroic. You just try to be good, you know, go to school be good children, help your parents. Uh, but there are going to be opportunities as you get older that you have to make decisions and you want to think of good things and try to help other people. So those are some of the things that off the top of my head, I think my mom would probably you know, tell you. She would also tell you you're very mature for your age. <laughs> I wish, I, I think she brought, just hearing your stories, she was pretty spunky. My mom was very spunky. Um, and you know, she, 
she was also, you know, in some ways tough. You know, I, I came from a very, um, you know, discipline was important. We had a lot of fun. And I think the other thing I would, you know, tell young people that my mom would tell them if she were still here is that, you know, everybody wants a nice shirt or a nice bike or a nice tennis rack. And when I was about your age, a little older, I remember some of my peers, some of my classmates had a nice shirt that I wanted. And I told, I said, mommy, mommy, how come I, I want a shirt like that? And we were very middle class. We were not rich. And my mom said, look, at your age, the age of 10, I was lucky to have one shirt. You have four or five shirts. So you should be happy with what you want. And at the time, you know, I didn't like that response. But now as an adult, as even obviously as I got a little older, I learned that, you know, to be materialistic um, is not the end all be all. And it's really what's inside of you. Yeah, I love that. Claire, here's your next question. You ready? Um, what is the earliest memory when you realized when your mom was part of the scary part of history, the Holocaust? It's a very good question. Um, you know, I can remember um, about your age, I was seven years old and my sister was five. And my sister, we were aware, my mom had a number. My dad also survivor did not have a number. And for those listeners, the only survivors that had numbers were at Auschwitz. So my dad was not at Auschwitz. Um, but um, my sister was playing next door at the next door neighbor. They had a, a daughter, my sister's age. And um, the lady's name was Mrs. Baker, and she was doing dishes. And um, my sister was on the left side of Mrs. Baker, and on the left side of my mom was a number. Well, so my sister, in a very childish way, said, well, Mrs. Baker, where's your number? Because my mommy has a number on her left arm, but you don't have a number. Why is that? Mrs. Baker was not Jewish, was not a Holocaust survivor. But Mrs. Baker was very smart. She said, Rarina, you, you, need to, you need to ask your mom. So my sister ran next door and um, said, Mommy, Mommy, I'm at Mrs. Baker's and she doesn't have a number like you. Why is that? So my mom, very casually with not a lot of fanfare, said, well, Rena, remember your father and I told you and your brother that bad people did bad things to us. And one of the bad things they did was they put a number on my arm. And Mrs. Baker didn't have those bad experiences. And so my sister was five years old, and that was a good enough answer. And she understood there was a difference between the way our mother was raised and, and where she was raised and Mrs. Baker, who was born in the United States. And so that, that, that really appeased her. And then, you know, as gradually as time would go on, um, nine, 10, 11 years old, you know, I learned more and more, but I think my first recollection was around the time I was your age, about seven years old. Uh, the other thing around that same age group was um, when I was seven or eight, my parents were very interested in politics and we talked a lot about race relations and how somebody's color should not affect how somebody is judged. And that then Talk, we talked about the Holocaust in very basic terms that, you know, I had no grandparents because a common question for a seven or eight year old is how come everybody else has grandparents and we don't have grandparents? 
And so our parents would say, well, those bad people, you know, didn't allow us to have grandparents. In fact, the gentleman that rescued my father lived around the corner from us. They wanted to be our grandparents. So we called them our fake grandparents. So they lived around the corner. And at times we would, be, you know, go there and have babysitters or whatever. But that was probably one of the hardest things at this age, at seven or eight, that I had to learn is I didn't have grandparents like all, the, all my other friends. And that then led to discussions about what happened to them. That's a good story. Scarlett, he, he answered some about what um, his mom would tell kids. Um, you wanted to know one more question we talked about this morning. Can ask him this? Um, about the patch, what it was on the patch. Um, why is the bluebird the symbol on the patch? The bluebird. So the bluebird represents blue, like a dove, like peace. And then the other, so that has a symbolic meaning. But the other thing is my mom always liked to wear blue. And so um, it has a double meaning to some extent. Um, and essentially, um, it represented my mom. And um, I should also mention, and I don't know if you saw this book there, but I'm going to send it to you because I have extras. Um, there's a book for your age, um, and it's based upon my mom's life lessons. The lady that authored the book was there later yes, on Saturday, but um, it's a very good book. And each page has a little blue bird similar to what you saw there. And they got the patch. That's they were excited about uh -huh. that. And we oh. completed all of the stations, all of the activity. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that, that was fun. wow. You were there. You were there a long time. <laughs> okay, your question, Claire. Um, your mom spoke at events, and you talked about her using her voice on social media. Now that she has passed, how can um listeners um keep her job going? Very tough question. So as you mentioned, my mom in 2013 uh, started her, somebody started her Twitter account. And then over a period of time, she realized that this represented a good way to reach a lot of people. She still has 33,000 followers on Twitter. But as you said, she's no longer here. So how can I, how can you continue her message. One of the things, first of all, is to do this podcast. I think it's a great idea. I think you're doing your part with, with uh, excellent, I think you'll have excellent results. Um, you know, it's incumbent, all of us have a responsibility and it's not just my mother, but you know, in this day and age, there's a lot of bad people still in the world and it's kind of up to us to know what is a truth and what is a lie and what we need to be honest and we need to tell people what happened in the past. You know, one of the things that there's an organization that a friend of mine started, Stacy Gallen, uh, it's my Institute. And her saying is remember the past, protect the future. And I think it's a very important thing. So obviously in this day and age, which wasn't around 15, 20 years ago, social media is very important. It can be very helpful. It can be very damaging. But I think podcasts like you two girls have created offer an excellent 
platform for people your age to learn what happened in the past so that maybe as time goes on, you're in junior high, you're in high school, all these things that you learn at your age will then become secondhand. You can tell other people and hopefully your classmates and hopefully teachers, because unfortunately in this day and age, some legislatures are trying to control what kids are learning. And I think it's important that we use social media in a positive way. And I think that can be something like you're doing here or you know, what I do a lot is I, I've maintained my Twitter account. I obviously don't need to censor my mother anymore, but I will take every opportunity to, if there's a relevant date in history, for example, January 27th was the anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. Anything I can do to promote Holocaust education, to tell people about um, my parents, to tell people about Candles Holocaust Museum in Terre Haute, to tell people about the Indiana Historical Society that you visited yesterday. Um, I think that's something that I can do my small part. Um, you know, one of the things I think I mentioned yesterday was that the one regret I have is that, you know, my mother and I never sat down for me to ask her what should my role be. So I'm kind of just doing this to see how things work and what sometimes some things work, sometimes they don't. But my idea is to try to as much as possible to do what she would want me to do. Right. Before we, I ask you girls kind of your, your takeaways, I just wanted to, to note that um, when we've done some of these conversations with the girls, sometimes um, the folks that we've talked about, like our last one, Harriet Tubman, you know, that was um century ago and that that feels so long ago and then we've talked about Malala and she's a, still a young lady right and so I think that it's it's important to notice that even though your your mom has passed that wasn't really very long ago and and honestly the Holocaust is has not been that long ago um but we're just now entering the time where there are, I mean I had when I was growing up I had met a few survivors but um the next generation is not going to have that opportunity. Right. So I think it's so important that, well, I appreciate you taking your time to talk to them and, and it's, it's going to have to start being secondhand stories now. Right. Um, and so books yes. and conversations and. I think opportunities like this for me to hopefully tell your very smart and brilliant daughters about this and they can tell their friends and maybe some of their classmates or teachers who listen to this podcast, but yeah, the, the Holocaust you know, it's hard for me to really wrap my fingers around it, but the Holocaust ended in 1945, and uh, 16 years later, I was born. And for me, you know, it always seemed like it was 100 years earlier, but it really wasn't. And, you know, 16 plus, what is it, 76, 77, 78 years ago, you know, it's not that long ago. And unfortunately, um, history has a habit, unfortunately, of repeating itself. And there are so many people, unfortunately, who have very high platforms are saying that, oh, it was exaggerated. It really wasn't that bad. Um, and so, you know, I think hate is a terrible thing in society. And one way to defeat hate is education. And in this case, Holocaust education. Um, you know, my hope is that um, kids your age Claire and Scarlett will learn about this and gradually become more and more informed as you mature so that you can tell other kids your age. That would be my hope. I think that you're on your way, aren't you? And so the the 
um, special proclamation was on Friday from Governor Holcomb, right? Is that kind of what led up to the event on Saturday? Um, was it all tied together or? Um, yes. I mean, four years ago, um, there, four years ago, um, three and a half years ago, but 2019, my mom died. January 2020, we were at Auschwitz for the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. So earlier in the month of January, Ted Green, who did the movie eBay-706, there were several people, John Abrams, that approached the governor. Would he sign this? My mom and the governor were friends, had a good, very good relationship. And he came to Candles several times. Um, and so that was just a one I thought it was going to be a one-time thing. The following year, I thought, well, let's ask him again. So um, in October, I contacted the staff and they said, yeah, he'd be glad to do it. So around the same time, I got an email from the Indiana Historical Society. My mom's exhibits uh, will be there for at least another year. And they said, we're going to do a thing the day after on Saturday. And um, so it's actually been about five or six events. And maybe I'll, because there's still a couple events coming up. Uh, my mom's birthday, would, she would be 89 this coming Tuesday. Um, but working backwards on the 26th, which was Thursday, we... She, my mom wore a lot of scarves and in Candles Holocaust Museum, uh, Troy Fears and his staff, Gwen and Trent did a scarves exhibit. It's very colorful. And, you know, the funny thing is my mom didn't buy expensive things and people thought, oh, she probably shopped on Fifth Avenue. My mom shopped at Kmart. She shopped at very reasonably priced places because she, that was just her way of doing things. She didn't want to spend a lot of money on clothes. So that was Thursday night, the governor's proclamation was for Friday. We had the Indiana Historical Society event on Saturday that was all day. Uh, today, there uh, is a website, an organization in California called thebraid.org. They do plays. And several months ago, they contacted me and I was one of 15th, second or third generation that they did a play based upon part of my life that related to my parents. And then I, I did a Q&A. There'll be another Zoom next Sunday. February 5th. Um, and then tomorrow night, there's an opera out of Austin, Texas called Even the Angel of Death that I saw in person in, in April. They're going to reshow a virtual um, uh, presentation. It's, it's, it's very good. My mom never liked operas. And so, but these two young students who are now, they're now professors did an incredible job. They met my mom in 2017 or 18. Um, and then Tuesday's her birthday. And for her birthday, there's about 65, 60, 65 Holocaust survivors living in Indianapolis. Me being a podiatrist, I've recruited about seven or eight other podiatrists with an organization called Samaritan's Feet, the Jewish Family Services in Indianapolis and Candles. And we're going to do a foot screening, examine pe these people's feet. Most of them are Holocaust survivors. And they all get free shoes. So that'll be kind of in memory of my mom's birthday. So, uh, but yes, the Indiana Historical Society was a big part of that. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's like a whole a whole celebration week for you, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate, uh, appreciate what you're doing here. It's a great idea, girls. So you're doing a great job. Well, thank you. Thanks. You want to tell them your two like lesson takeaways at the very end of the day, the activities that you did? You want to tell them? Um, okay, stop coughing. 
<laughs> my takeaway was flowers of forgiveness. It was so cool. Like there was these little cardboard flower things, and you wrote down what you were um forgiving, however you, you want to say it. Um, and then there are seeds inside. So then when you set it on the fake grass, they take it to real grass and plant them, and then you have a forgiveness flower. Yeah. That's Scarlett, good. You, want to, you want to give them uh, the listeners an idea of what to do? Yeah, you had an activity they should do. Um, you can get five jars and put five different feelings like happy and inspired. Um, and then you could um get beads or pom poms and put them inside the drawer. I mean, inside of the jar. Mm-hmm. And um, inside of a jar, that like if you're inspired, happy, sad. Mm-hmm. So you're sharing that story because you, they had that activity for you yesterday, right? Yeah. And so tell, I think the way we'll end the recording is to tell um, when we left and you heard Alex Core speak, um, where did you put your pom pom? What jar? Inspired. Oh, you're very nice, very sweet. The reason there were seeds, it was my mom always said forgiveness is a seed, is a seed for peace, and that um, that was how the whole idea of of seed and planting. And uh, there was a forgiveness garden. And if you go to uh, Candles Holocaust Museum um, in Terre Haute, there's actually a mural that has. A uh, forgiveness garden in the mural. My mom's dream was always to have a forgiveness garden. And then I should also mention in downtown Indianapolis, I don't know if you know this, there's a 53 foot mural of my mom right next to the Pacers Arena, Gainbridge Fieldhouse. So next time you're in Indianapolis, you should check it out and take a picture. They also got a picture with you and the cardboard cutout. Yes. Yeah. For wearing a scarf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for wearing a blue scarf. Yeah. Yes. Very good. All right. What do you tell them for being on the show? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. You did a great job. Thanks, girls, for sharing your thoughts and your ideas with everyone. They can check out more on the website that's linked in the description. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time on Girl Sense.